At the end of the previous section, we were left with the dilemma of the harmonic probability amplitude psi equals AE to the IKX minus omega T that doesn't meet the requirement of giving a probability of 1 when squared and integrated over all space. In this section, we address this problem first by brute force, that is, by multiplying the harmonic wave function by an envelope function that limits the spatial extent of the wave function. After showing how that leads to the desired probability when properly normalized, we then present a more comprehensive approach to understanding wave packets through Fourier analysis. This section concludes with a discussion of the time evolution of quantum wave packets and the dispersion relation for de Broglie waves. Since the mathematics of quantum wave packets gets a bit complex, we start out by separating the waveform psi of x and t into a time term f of t and a spatial term psi of x. We then further separate the spatial term psi of x into an external envelope function we call g of x and an internal oscillating function we call f of x, as shown in equation 632. The purpose of the envelope function g of x is to limit the spatial extent of the wave function psi of x so that an envelope function such as the one shown in 6.7b fills the bill nicely. As shown in equation 633, this g of x equals e to the negative ax squared, which reaches a peak value of 1 at x equals 0 and rolls off in both directions. Multiplying this g of x envelope function by the oscillatory f of x function with real parts shown in figure 6.7a gives a spatially limited function with the real part shown in figure 6.8. This certainly looks like a wave packet, but before we evaluate its suitability as a probability amplitude, we think it's important for you to understand that this function no longer has one single wavelength. If it did, it would extend forever in both directions. We'll analyze the wavelength content of this function when we take the Fourier approach later in this section. But for now, you should just bear in mind that multiplying by our g of x envelope function has changed our wave function psi from a single wave number function to a function consisting of a range of wave numbers. With that caution in mind, you're ready to consider the probability density of this spatially limited wave function. Since in this case the oscillatory interior function f of x equals e to the i kx and the exterior envelope function g of x equals e to the minus ax, the waveform psi is just the product e to the i kx e to the minus ax squared. And the complex conjugate of psi is e to the minus i kx e to the minus ax squared. As we show in the text, the probability density is then psi star psi, which is e to the minus 2 ax squared. Integrating this over all space gives a value for the probability p equals the square root of pi over 2a. Knowing that the all space probability must equal 1, we can produce a physically meaningful wave function by scaling psi by dividing by the square root of this expression. That gives the wave function psi shown in equation 6.34, which has the desired all-space probability of 1 and is spatially limited by an amount determined by the constant lowercase a. You can work through an example of this form of wave function in which the width constant lowercase a has a value of 0.1, which leads to the Gaussian probability distribution shown in figure 6.9. We also show how you can find the probability of a particle with this wave function being located in a particular region. That probability works out to be about 4% in the region between x equals 0.9 meters and x equals 1.1 meter. And, as expected, integrating this wave function from x equals minus infinity to x equals plus infinity gives the all-space probability of 1.
We then show another example of waveform normalization, but in this case the original waveform is the triangular function shown in figure 610. This function increases linearly with x from x equals 0 to x equals 0 0.5 and then decreases linearly as 1 minus x from x equals 0 0.5 to x equals 1. But notice that when we write the equation of this function we introduce a scaling factor uppercase a, the value of which we'll determine by setting the allspace probability to 1. As you can see in the example, the integral works out to give a value of 1 12th, which means that the value of the scaling factor a equals the square root of 12. So the normalized wave function is shown in figure 610, and both the non-normalized and the normalized probability densities are shown in figure 611. The rest of this section provides a different perspective to the wave functions of matter waves. That perspective is based on the Fourier synthesis techniques of chapter 3, in which a desired waveform is synthesized by combining other waveforms in the proper proportions. In this case, we construct the spatial wave function psi of x by combining a series of component waveforms with amplitudes phi sub n, as shown in equation 635. As you know, if you've read chapter 3, this type of discrete sum works for periodic waveforms, but to synthesize a single wave packet, the wave number components must be infinitely close together. So the sum becomes an integral, and phi sub n becomes the continuous function phi of k, as shown in equation 636. Comparing this to equation 334 in chapter 3, a very important relationship becomes clear. The phi of k function that determines the amplitude of each wave number component is the Fourier transform of the wave function psi of x. That means that if you want to know phi of k, that is, the amount of each component wave function to add in, you just take the Fourier transform of the desired wave function psi of x, as shown in equation 637. We show an example of this using the Gaussian wave function g of x equals e to the minus x squared over 2 sigma x squared, shown in equation 638. That makes psi of x equal to the function shown in 639, and you can find the wave number content phi of k by taking the Fourier transform of psi of x. That Fourier transform gives the wave number distribution shown in equation 640, which has a Gaussian shape, and the width of that Gaussian is inversely related to the spatial width of the wave packet psi of x. So the narrower the wave packet in space, the wider the spread of wave numbers needed to make up that packet. This inverse relationship between the spatial extent delta x of a wave function and its wave number width delta k is a form of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, which we show in equation 641. You may also encounter a version of the uncertainty principle written in terms of the momentum uncertainty delta p, which we show in equation 642. Then there's a short discussion of how Heisenberg's uncertainty principle applies to an ensemble of identical particles, after which we show what happens when you include the time term with the spatially limited wave function. Including that term gives psi of x and t, as shown in equation 644, in which we've written the wave number spectrum as phi of k and the angular frequency omega as omega of k to remind you that omega varies with k, as omega equals h bar k squared over 2m. Inserting the Gaussian wave number spectrum phi of k from equation 640 and doing the integral leads to the wave function psi of x and t written in equation 645. To give you an idea of what that wave function looks like and how it evolves over time, in figure 612 we've plotted psi of x and t at three different times for a proton moving at a speed of 4 millimeters per second.
We also use the dispersion relation for de Broglie waves given in equation 646 to find the packet's group velocity in equation 647. And we show in equation 648 that the phase velocity is half the packet's group velocity. You can see the shape and the time evolution of the probability density in figure 613. As expected, it moves with the wave packet's group velocity, which is the speed of the particle. That's it for this section. As always, we recommend that you work through the problems at the end of this chapter. Thanks for listening.